thinking about that, Bundy. So you're saying that the perceptron was invented in 1979, just the year of the Iranian Revolution, if my memory of history serves me right. What happened since then? It's been a it's been a while. Did did it like completely catch on like fire, and did the perceptron blow everything away, or did other advances in computer science happen? How is it that we're only talking about neural networks in the last like five to ten years? What happened to them right. in the meantime? Yeah, in fact, not even 1979. The, the idea of a perceptron came 1959 itself. So that was when oh. um, the idea of a perceptron was born. But mm -hmm. 1979 is when neural networks, the perceptron idea mm. was expanded to the broader idea of neural networks. Okay. Right? Uh, okay. But then it was too early for its day. So because if neural networks are such rich models and mm -hmm. they quickly blow up, the number of parameters needed to specify a neural network quickly blows mm. up, right? Mm. And to train them, you need a lot more data and a lot more compute power because the training of neural networks is not like training a regression model. Regression model is a very simple optimization problem to solve. It's uh, it's mm -hmm. a very efficient, you know, it's a polynomial time solvable algorithm. Uh, on the okay. other hand, neural networks, in fact, it's, a, it's what's called a non-convex optimization problem. And mm -hmm. it's an NP-hard problem. So it requires a lot more compute, not just data, but a lot more compute as well. So it was a good way of thinking about the whole AI problem, but it was too early for its day, right? And okay. in fact, that's why you see a lot of lull. So nothing much happens in the neural network community. So people develop these algorithms, but there are no big applications uh, that come out of mm. it. In fact, okay. the first big application that's anywhere close to AI that comes out it's in late 90s, mm -hmm. um, where IBM developed what's called the Deep Blue, right? So the chess, mm, yeah, um, chess machine, right? It, it beats right. Gary Kasparov. Do you, do you remember that? Um, uh, you were too young, but huge event, yeah. yeah, massive event. I remember, like, as a school child, uh, reading about it in the newspaper, and it was like it was discussed in school for a fairly long time because right. it was seen as this. The, the funny thing is, at that time, there were these two almost complete competing angles, right? On the one hand, there was this extreme euphoria and this optimism right. about the future that finally we had built a machine that could defeat a human at something right. that we thought was very cerebral. And therefore it like heralded a new age where machines would be capable of like amazing feats. So there was like a lot of optimism. On the yeah. other hand, there was a lot of like feelings of pain and anguish yeah. that, oh, like a machine can do this better than, than humans can. Right. And so there's a very interesting kind of discussion we had in school at that time, I remember, like about like what the implications of this are for humans of very, very early days. Not like anybody yes. understood what AI was back then. It was just a newspaper article. But, you know, this picture of Gary Kasparov giving up in exasperation against a, a, a team of like people wearing spectacles and wearing ties because IBM people <laughs> would dress up, but not yeah. like Google t-shirt and jeans. Right. The people in ties and shirts operating a computer defeating at that time uh, the man that was the world's best chess player is just right. a very fascinating image i think that the world woke up to yeah. in 97 yeah. it's pretty interesting no absolutely and then i think it, it showed up in um in popular media as well right so uh, right after that so it was 97 99 is when the matrix the the movie oh, matrix yeah. came up right so yeah. it was again mm -hmm. hey um robots have become so powerful that they start thinking for themselves and then take over um right. and then in right. um that's one way of uh uh, you know, how the robots could, uh, could let's say, evolve. The yeah. other similar 
type of movie was a- the a- AI movie um yes by yeah. Steven Spielberg that was 2001 so that's right. that's a different view of it right so it's about hey if a machine starts thinking do yeah. you actually feel for it right so that's yes. a more endearing empathetic view of uh, AI um yeah i feel like artificial intelligence by spielberg the 2001 was much more like the turing test as like if the turing test yeah. were a movie like ex machina that came right. much later i feel like those two are in the same theme matrix was almost like terminator 2 judgment day is like sequel right. in some shape or right. form yeah. but taking it to a whole new level of like how depraved can machines get right uh, and these are both i think even today i think you see these two angles right there's one hand about a couple of years ago there was this angle about a google engineer who i think disclosed that ai had become sentient right. and that became big news and then on the other hand you have all these like fear mongers about how ai is going to like kill us all so i think these right. two threads exactly. are alive to this day so it's really fascinating yeah. anyway yeah. but yeah so deep yeah. blue deep blue was a big deal right yeah deep blue was a big deal and then interestingly deep blue did not use any of the uh, it was not based on neural networks right oh it really completely oh. different Um, I see systems way of thinking about it. So it was a uh, uh, hmm. you know creating scenarios. It was mainly focused on the ability of the machine to try out different moves. It was not okay. a prediction uh, play. It was more of a hey, um, as a machine, I can evaluate the uh, significance of every move. I can mm-hmm. try out thousand different moves as opposed to a human who could maybe okay. with intuition try out maybe twenty or thirty moves. right in their mind before they try yeah. something so it was it's more of computation play right it's just brute force it's like purely brute, brute force, brute yeah. force. It's essentially Going brute like... force uh, yes yes and when you say it that well, way it doesn't sound, it doesn't, it doesn't yes. sound as fancy and exciting we just call it brute, but even brute but to get to the point where a computer could brute force algorithm chess yeah. is yeah. such a big leap compared it's to where we were leap, yeah. 10 yeah. years before that right so yes but again mm. so that was a very enterprise move right so the ibm wanted yeah. to show its uh, power in enterprise systems saying hey we right. can build these big systems uh, mm. it was still not um, hey uh, something that's accessible to everyone so you could not yeah. have your own version of a deep blue uh, chat that can help you you know play chess right <laughs> it was a completely yeah. different hey we have the supercomputer that can beat it right mm. uh, yes I think IBM prided itself in doing that. So IBM was also moving away from personal computing to more of consulting, uh, enterprise side of business. So it, it aligned with their uh, broader plans also. New branding, know, their servers. entire yeah. rebranding and their new avatar. They also sold yeah. off the laptop business to Lenovo and everything. So it was like a very exactly. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. It was a part of their strategic shift. In a, in a yeah, yeah. And uh, and of course this was uh, 2000, and then you know the dot com. Um, boom and the bu- uh, and the bubble burst and all these things happened mm-hmm. um google was born 2004 so that was again a very uh, the power of the internet move right so it was more of uh, hey uh, we can it was less of an ai so ai all these are ai winters so ai was mm-hmm. getting developed in in the background but it was not at yeah. the forefront right mm-hmm. um so other things came to forefront e-commerce uh, search engine and all these Uh, yes. IBM stuck to it. So IBM, in fact, the next big thing that happened relevant to AI is IBM Watson. Right? Mm. So that was in 2011. So of course, the it was in development since 2008 or so, um, mm. where IBM Watson was again trying to play at another game. So yeah. chess was 
shown to be too much of an elitist game so it it didn't um you know it was a hard problem to solve people understood chess was difficult but it didn't yes. get as much uh pr as uh, you know uh, other than in the let's say the nerdy crowd um, yeah but jeopardy yeah. it's a right. show that everybody watches and uh, it was shown that hey uh, deep blue is more of a brute force way jeopardy is more harder because you have to understand relate things and so on and ibm was again able to build the system called ibm watson which beat uh, the jeopardy champions yeah right. and just and just on this one Randy, so it chess the, there are rules so if the computer understands the rules of the game right the brute force when you say brute force what we're saying is you're just thinking about all the possibilities given the rules of chess for a given position of the board right and then right. you're working through each of those scenarios and if you throw more hardware at the problem you essentially yes. can work through more scenarios and then decide what the state of the game is going to be later and then decide what the most optimal step I mean, move for you is given right. where the board is right now right. but in jeopardy it's it's the opposite because it's it's what is called a divergent problem in the sense that uh, chess is a convergent problem and you call, because yes. the, the entire game is trying to get to one state which is checkmate and yes. the, you're trying to like figure out one option from a series of possible options and uh, you, you the branching goes out in you, can, you branch out first to think of all the possibilities and then figure out one best move and then go forward the yes. problem with jeopardy yes. is the way it works is you, you have the answer and you got to figure out the question right and that's a divergent problem in the sense that there are many questions the answer to which could be that particular answer because given a question the answer is usually unique but given an answer the question is actually much more complex to figure out right and i think that's where like the because if you had if you had watson flipped around and you know being like a, a typical quiz show like we had the board meter the board meter quiz contest or whatever else that all these quiz shows that we had right we were growing up as kids that's a much easier problem of just like answering a question but right. asking a question is a much harder problem because you don't know what question specifically will lead to that particular answer which is like i think really really fascinating mm-hmm. right interesting yeah it has to it has to have a better understanding right so that's the yeah. um more difficult part here um and right. yeah so ibm watson of course the um the application that they choose right so jeopardy was just one of the applications but then ibm watson the business applications were for mainly healthcare so ibm had some deals with uh, mayo clinic uh, to use in their data sets to understand um, to do healthcare analytics right so it did a lot mm-hmm. of those things with ibm watson right. but again mm-hmm. ibm watson was also not based on neural networks it was based on okay. this idea of what was called um, uh, ensemble uh, analysis that is you create mm-hmm. multiple weaker machine learning algorithms mm-hmm. and combine all of them to uh, to predict something mm-hmm. right i see so this was okay. um, the the whole idea came from this well known idea in sociology called wisdom of the crowds right I see. Uh, so where okay. you say hey every person in the crowd might not know much but mm-hmm. turns out if you want to predict something if you ask the crowd the mm-hmm. the crowd if they are independent of each other can have a much more wisdom than any individual expert right god um, it's like using my my lifeline call uh, ask the audience or poll the audience in konbenega oh, community yeah, yeah. or oh yeah that's exactly yeah. yes okay. yes okay. exactly so the idea of ibm watson was to use that so create smaller mm-hmm. many algorithms and then take in some sense a poll 
of those algorithms to figure out um, the, the right answer, right? Oh, fascinating. Uh, okay, so you're saying that you, you trust that no one algorithm will be right, but if you have like what, yeah. 100 algorithms, then the majority consensus on the answer has a high likelihood of being the right answer. Exactly, exactly. Oh, fascinating, yeah. okay. okay. So this was around the same time as uh, prediction markets, the rise of prediction markets, um, where people were using prediction markets as a way to understand what's happening in the real world, right? So mm -hmm. where you mm -hmm. create, incentivize people to participate in these prediction markets to give their view, uh, their unbiased view. And mm. if the views are unbiased and independent of each other, then the combination of those views can actually tell you a lot about um, any such system. The prediction right. power of a crowd is much more than even the best of the experts. So mm. that was the um you know the idea behind these systems gotcha right very and, cool idea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so this is in sociology it's called the wisdom of the crowds and there's a book as well on that and um yeah it, it's a well accepted idea so Got that's it. how again it's very different from the neural networks it's it is not hmm. an ibm watson system or not like chat gpt where somebody could access you know we did not have our own watson on our phone to play with it was again an enterprise move, right? So here again, uh, like, tell me, understand. So if the neural network was, well, I mean, you said the neuron was the perceptron, which is a model of how a neuron works in the human brain, was created in 1959. Right. Neural networks were created in 1979. Right. Then right after 2011, why aren't we using them to build AI? Why are we using other other methods? Is that method not yeah, good so, enough? Or what's the problem? Right. So parallelly, Google internally was trying out a lot of neural networks. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, in fact, uh, they they started building on something called TensorFlow, which is a way to build neural networks and so on. And yeah. some of the systems within Google were actually using neural networks, like Google Translate was based on okay. a neural network. Right. I see. Uh, but okay. no big, you know, big thing like uh, let's say ChatGPT was was released. So all these were okay. hey, good to have. Let's let's say for example, Google Keyboard is based on a neural network, right? Um, mm. And Google... When you say Google Keyboard, you mean the thing where you do the, the swiping and then it figures out exactly. like what word you're... Exactly. It's the... Okay. Yeah, you just... Uh, cro uh, yeah, you don't have to select every letter se uh, separately. You just do... You know, you just uh, run your finger on mm -hmm. on the word and then it creates it, mm. right? Okay. Um, so you, you can be slightly error-prone and then but still it, it corrects it. So that's the Google mm. Keyboard. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, so all these things were happening in the background, but none of them were, like Google Translate is another example, which is based on neural networks. Um, yeah. But again, it was not a killer application, right? So nothing that uh, showed up on the map. Um, but, but why didn't they, for example, build like neural networks to do Jeopardy or chess? Is it like, you're saying it's not efficient or like it's, it's, does, it's not even effective as in it won't even solve the problem? Like what is the- It was not problem? effective until then. So to understand nice. Jeopardy, you yeah. had to understand the language, right? So this way, the large mm -hmm. language models came in. And that's exactly where we are right now. So it took so much I time see. to even build a good, you know, we will go through the history of uh, language mm -hmm. models in a bit. Uh, okay. Yeah, we were not ready yet at that point. Not ready. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so coming back to the timeline, 2011 is when IBM Watson was released. And mm -hmm. until then, you know, there was no big applications for uh, neural networks. Right. Mm. So the biggest thing that happened in this timeline is uh, around 2014, DeepMind started working on 
the idea was something called um, reinforcement learning mm-hmm. but deep reinforcement learning so which is using neural networks to do the uh, age old idea of reinforcement learning so reinforcement learning has been there in cs like a lot of control theory um since 80s right so what is reinforcement learning, learning? Yeah. so reinforcement so exactly learning is a way of um learning from data where mm-hmm. every time your the system is giving you some reward so let's say okay. you're building a machine learning model yeah and every action it takes you will tell mm-hmm. immediately uh, you know you'll give a reward to the system immediately so you will say hey it's right or wrong right okay it's yes. very different from traditional machine learning algorithms where you come you build a model you mm-hmm. compute the error on all the data um at a, at a time and then try to minimize the that error so you're not doing it every step you're doing it in a static way so that's how for example regression the way regression mm-hmm. models work is you have the entire data on your spreadsheet and yes. you're building one regression model right right but if the data is changing uh, regression model doesn't update itself automatically okay right so reinforcement learning is a, an idea where if the environment is changing quite a bit mm-hmm. you might not have a stable model but still you're uh, slowly learning towards the optimal model right it's the that's what we call reinforcement so you're learning a model uh, and the system is reinforcing itself with appropriate uh, rewards so if if it does well then yes. it gets a you know a plus one if it does badly it gets a minus one got it so again just to kind of like maybe i think you you think you have you have we're talking about maybe you're going to talk about this later as well but this idea yeah. that there's ai there's machine learning and there's deep learning right where does reinforcement learning fit into that that scheme of things right so reinforcement learning is more of a meta uh, learning approach so reinforcement learning could use deep learning or the traditional uh, machine learning or without learning itself so without any machine learning itself So reinforcement oh. learning is more of a way to adapt to changing situations. Right? I see. I see. So for okay. example you uh, you know let's let's take an example of how we a hike, right? So let's mm-hmm. say you are going on a hike, you broadly know okay so you have to reach the mountain. Right. Um now you could do your hike in two different ways. One is you at every point you predict hey which is the right direction to take. and then mm-hmm. take that direction and then keep updating your predictions right 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 so another way is hey forget about predictions i'll mm-hmm. just keep going if, mm. if there's a pitfall i'll trace back if it it's going well i'll continue going so you're not even trying to predict you're just taking it as it goes i see but then how do you know that you're even starting off on the right direction because like you if you if you're only waiting for a pitfall Right. It's possible that you go in a direction and like it's a great direction. You go on a great hike, but it's a different route from the one that you wanted to take. Yeah. So reinforcement learning allows for that. So reinforcement learning allows for that. So um, it's it's you can get lost, uh, you know, right. quite a bit. In, in, in a nice way, get lost yeah. in a beautiful way. Come up with some beautiful yeah, yeah, lake. Yeah, yeah. It's a hike, so beautiful you know, lake. getting lost is okay. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, that's the that's the two different ways of, uh, in some sense, approaching uh, an uncertain hike, right? so you can try to keep track of your map hey predict where it mm. is where you are keep track of your state and then keep going the other right. way is hey let me just uh, looks like there's a path here let me just go there and then if right. there's a dead end i'll trace back and then come back again mm. right? that's the other mm. way um 
yeah so that's the approach got it okay that's pretty cool so you're saying okay so reinforcement learning you're saying now comes up so far it's right. mostly been other mechanisms or approaches to learning that's something that's really started in 2014 with right. deep mind and then right. takes off with with alphago alphago yeah so alphago was there uh, uh you know in some sense the biggest release right so where um they applied this deep reinforcement learning approach for the game of go and yeah. go was considered harder than chess because chess yeah. at least it's a limited set of moves um right. the number of states the state size is smaller yeah. in chess yeah. right? right on the other hand yeah. go go has uh, 361 positions hmm. so even to represent the state it's exponential right it's like hmm. a crazy state to explore uh, so that's yeah. why they they chose go and uh, they built this system called alpha go which is their first right. algorithm uh which yeah. beat all the you know the go champion lee sedol right so it, it beat them very very easily one thing i remember bundy from this thing was i think there's something some ridiculous statistic i think going along what you're saying that the number of states in go is more than the number of atoms in the universe or something exactly and yeah it's 2 so to the 60 not do brute uh, 361 yeah right so you can't do brute force So like the approach that works with chess yeah. so like you could brute force and like just go through all the possibilities simply right. doesn't work here and so exactly. you have to invent a completely new way of like attacking this problem that yeah. is not just let me throw more com- compute at the problem and therefore hope right. to solve it right. i need a more yeah. in- intuitive what in humans we call intuition or like a mechanism right. to like know the direction in which the solution is right. in order to start exactly. even before like we, we begin which i thought was like unbelievably cool and very yeah. different from typically how we think about ai right 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 exactly um so that's exactly happened uh, that's exactly what happened and um they were able to beat lee sedol who, who was the go champion uh, very right. easily right um and so of course deepmind didn't stop there so alpha go led to something called um alpha go 0 right um mm-hmm. so basically that meant so alpha go was built on all the historical games that were played right and then they tried to understand what's a good move and what's a bad move right yeah yeah and in go it's not about a single move it's about a yeah. pattern so right. it's a, it's a, that's why go is a very interesting game so it's uh, yeah. uh, a single move will not be very powerful but a sequence of moves will you know in some sense uh, take the game away right Yeah. So right. the whole idea was to detect these patterns that are good, that are good mm. positions to be on the board, um, and they were able to do that based on historical games. Yeah, yeah it's so interesting. So I, I played chess and Go. I suck right. at playing Go. I suck at playing chess as well. But the big difference I found is that in chess, your it's it, once you get an advantage, it is right. easy to hold on to that advantage and kind of stay with it. Right. In Go, it's fascinating how I will think I'm winning, right. and then suddenly, out of the blue, like my fortunes will just completely change, and I'll go from a winning position to like yes. utter defeat against the computer, yes, which yes, very yes. rarely happens in chess. It's, yeah, yeah, chess yeah. feels like it's more deterministic, where if you've gotten to a position of strength, you can right. consolidate and hold on to it. Right. Whereas in Go, it just feels like you are always open to like vulnerability and someone who's like playing you. can like literally play you in the sense of like make you feel this false sense of like confidence and like oh yeah I'm going to win this game right. and then just like pull the rug from under your feet before you know it yeah 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 
yeah uh, that's why go is a beautiful game and then um, it, it they chose that as the game to play right um yeah so just to go on uh, a bit more on that so alphago was the one that beat them and right. they then designed a system called alphago 0 yeah which did not even use the previous games so mm. what they did was they that the system was uh, strong enough that they just had to feed in the rules of the game that's it mm-hmm. right so imagine this new system they you feed in the rules of the game and the system was developed in such a way that it could play with itself right yes yeah and then within uh, about 48 hours it yeah. started having the same um you know power as alphago so which you oh. historically all the games wow so right. you're telling me like okay so this is like a you introduce a child to a new game yes just tell the child the rules of the game yeah. tell the child to play both sides and in 48 or in 2 days you're yeah. world champion yes exactly That, yeah just, uh, just for how many times has it played itself to get to like in that 48 hour period like are we talking about like millions and billions of simulations yeah, or yeah millions of times right so millions of games wow. of course it doesn't go through the entire game itself so it's it, it's it's evaluating the, the strengths of different positions right so you don't have to play the entire game but yeah so it was essentially it was essentially it was training itself on a lot of different puzzles uh the puzzles being hmm. you know which stra- which position has a good uh, has the has a good strength right it's incredible um, though it's just like unbelievable yeah, yeah yeah and so what was different between alphago 0 and alphago so is it also neural networks so what exactly is the difference between the two yeah both were neural networks but in the original neural network it was as it was supervised that is you are giving them a data set saying hey this position is a good position mm-hmm. this led to victory and then now right. learn it yourself in right. the second version alphago 0 it's mm-hmm. again two neural networks playing with each other they are trying to beat each other it's like practice okay i see uh, you put two people and then you tell them the game and then they will keep exploring different things and they learn uh, the good uh, moves essentially This right. is such a cool idea because like even I think in like when when children learn new skills like martial right. arts or whatever you always try to pair yourself with an opponent that's roughly equal to you. Right. And there's right. this idea that you learn best when you play against somebody that's very close to you in skill, not too right. much better or not too much worse. Right. This is just taking that idea to an absolute extreme and saying, yeah. "Why yeah. bother? Just clone yourself. Play right. against your your clone." Exactly. Exactly. You always like learn the best. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. That's so yeah. cool. And the learning is exponential, right? Because Yeah. as you are improving your opponent right. which is yourself it's improving as well and yeah. it's like hey um it's uh, and yeah i i mean that was again another big change right so alphago 0 mm. again showed the power of these uh, deep neural networks and mm. um and then of course they did even they went be- even beyond that they released the system called mu 0 so alpha 0 oh. is mostly about go So okay. Mu Zero was about mm-hmm. hey you could give it any game, so not yeah. go, but any right. game, Atari game, uh, chess, yeah. uh, any game. Just give it the Mario. rules of the game. Right. Yeah, Mario. <laughs> yeah, Mario. Yeah. Very yeah. difficult game. Um, yeah. So give the rules of any game, and then it will. Uh, it it was able to learn itself. Mm. Uh, this was the Mu Zero version. Right. That's incredible, man. So it's like yeah. this is every child's dream of like being that person that like is called upon. to come and finish a difficult level for your friend right, right, right. on a certain game level yeah, yeah. but one thing honestly that i absolutely love about ai is that it's it's primary use case has been in gaming <laughs> whether it's chess yeah. or jeopardy yeah. or go 
it's yeah. funny how it's it's the cutting edge of gaming is always where AI seems to find itself yeah. in. I find yeah. that alliance like incredible. As somebody that loves gaming, yeah. I think yeah. like it's yeah. really really awesome that these two amazing fields get together. Of course, it's a marketing play, right? So because of course, um, DeepMind was also building a lot of very serious applications like AlphaFold, um, right. which is about protein folding. So completely, right. you know, Boring. AlphaFold received right. maybe one news article. Yeah, uh, but AlphaGo was all over the place. There was a Netflix documentary on it. Yes, um, so it shows the power of games, right, in yes. communicating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome, man. Yeah, so we, we we've gone up to 2016 now, right? So yeah. this, it seems yeah. like there's an explosion literally in the last 20 years compared to like the advances until 2020. Were, I mean, until 2010, right. and then just yeah. in the last like 20, 15 years of how much more has happened. What yes. happens next? What's what? <laughs>